Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Warren Bobro. And Warren is an accomplished cocktail whisperer. He's an author. And there's several books, uh, Apothecary Cocktails, Mocktails and Tonics, The Arts of Spirited Drinks. And he's got, uh, I think his most recent one is The Craft Cocktail Compendium. If I've got that right. Uh, and we're going to talk about his experience as a mixologist. We're going to talk about his experience as uh, an entrepreneur and in cannabis. So, Warren, welcome to the program. Bruce. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I, I love doing this kind of thing. This is very exciting to share my passion. And I did write the first book on the topic, Cannabis Cocktails, Mocktails and Tonics, The Art of Spirited Drinks, and Buzzworthy Libations. That's the full title. Because you have so many, <laughs> several books to your name here. And I know that uh, you've been at this for a while. Not really. And I, I don't mean to lead you, but really, I've only been writing since 2013. So very important to state, this has not been a, a lifelong ambition for me. Huh. It only came to me in recent years. Interesting. Everyone I've talked to, uh, you know, on this program and this kind of cannabis entrepreneur, cannabis business space has a fascinating background. Um, so why don't we kind of start there to give us a sense of, you know, what were you doing before this, before you started looking at uh, the cocktail space at the cannabis space? Um, give us a sense of uh, the journey that you've been on. And then, then we can talk a little bit more about uh, the work you're doing today. Yeah, Bruce, I'd love to. I, and I've had a most convoluted background. I, I'm truly the <laughs> black sheep from an exceptionally well-heeled family. Uh We're in the patent pharmaceutical business. My uh, grandfather, who uh, my mother's side, who was my direct influence, uh, manufactured what I would commonly call snake oil. And (laughs) it influenced my book, Apothecary Cocktails. Uh The product in question was known as Geritol. 
sold in every pharmacy in America, yeah. not around the world, and it made him a fabulously wealthy man in a time when no one had very much money. Yeah. And uh, and it was proven to be no more than whiskey, ethyl alcohol, <laughs> caramel coloring, and flavorings. Uh, sort of shook up the family diametric, but yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I believe that it did influence me in a, in a good way because it led to all the things that we read about in books. That was my experience growing up. So I'm lucky because of that. And but it but, you know, nothing was ever given to me. And I I really have to preface that writing the book Cannabis Cocktails did everything, including get me disowned. Yeah, I find that um, when folks start getting into the cannabis world, their family and social dynamics can change quite a bit. I mean, it sounds like it was fairly severe for you that there was was, big divisions. But of course, Bruce, it was no surprise because I'd been using cannabis in in smokable forms since I was about 12 years old. So I'm, you know, 50, almost 58 years old now. So I put in my time. Yeah. What's it been like for you at being, you know, a, a cannabis user for so long in the last, you know, ten years or so? As you know, this kind of wave of legalization and and uh, socialization of it. I mean, what's your take on it? Well, there's still an incredible stigma here in New Jersey, and uh, that is where I'm speaking to you from. And I travel extensively in California and Nevada, and you know, I haven't been out to Colorado yet, but I. I go to Oregon, Washington State, and these places don't really have a stigma. But here in New Jersey, even though I have a medical cannabis card, I'm constantly reminded of the fact that it's illegal and I could get arrested and put into the system. And, you know, it's it creates a, a lot of angst for me. When I'm outside of New Jersey, I was just up in Massachusetts last weekend. Everything is much different, but New Jersey really thrives upon uh, vilifying cannabis. Yeah. I mean, do you think this is uh, temporal? I mean, do you think as, I mean, you know, we've got legislation pending in both New York and New Jersey on uh, legalization at various levels. Do you, do you think that's going to change or do you think, is that steeped in the culture? I don't think it's going to change at all. In fact, I think it's going to become more like what happened after Prohibition. And, you know, there's still dry counties in New Jersey. So this is no surprise to me. We have something here called home rule and there are certain towns that have already banned, you know, recreational cannabis. So it makes me very angry. I, I have deep personal attachments to the area, so I don't see myself moving anyplace. But emotionally and psychologically and physically, it creates great anxiety for me and anger. But yeah. my background is is creative. I have a degree in film from Emerson. I went to culinary school. I founded a fresh pasta business in Charleston, South Carolina, which I went on to losing in Hurricane Hugo in 1989. That 20-year career in in private banking. I owed my father and grandfather money. I had to pay them back. You know, I was a trained chef. I started as a pot scrubber dishwasher, and I worked my way up. It was my passion. And not to be able to do that in life was a great problem for me because my passion is creative, not business. So when we talk entrepreneurial, many of the great entrepreneurs in the cannabis business are great business people and they've been to business school and they understand numbers. My passion is people, places, and things. Mm. And I really, and I, you know, I write for Forbes and they want to talk, you know, metrics with me. And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? I, I'm a tastemaker. I work with flavors. I work with people. I have the gift of gab and I'm able yeah. to in the cannabis business because this is the Warren that I've always wanted to be. So what excuse do I have? I'm not going to work in banking anymore. I'm certainly not going to be a chef. I'm too old for that. And, you know, the, I became a, a barback 
to learn how to become a bartender at 50 years old, working around people who are half my age, running circles around them. So, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm young at heart and I'm young in face and, you know, and I'm an old man inside, but, I, but I'm having a great time. I love I, it. I do. I'm super passionate about it. I love it. So let's talk about when you first started seeing or, or working on cannabis as kind of a professional side. When did it first come up? What was the first sort of foray into the cannabis space as a business person, as an entrepreneur? Oh my gosh, that's that's a really interesting concept. I uh, I was working as the brand ambassador for a uh, Russian company called Marussia, and they weren't so happy that I was thinking about writing the book yeah. Cannabis Caucus. They sent me to the Moscow Bar Show, and I did a, a master. I taught a master class about rum, untainted, un, unflavored, uncolored rum at the Moscow Bar Show. But I had my copy of Cannabis Cocktails with me that had not yet been published, but it was like the uh, the thing that they give you from the publisher just you know to check for errors and oh yeah, yeah. Work. but you know i had it in my hand anyway and the word got around that uh, you know in russia certainly that i was doing this and then it uh i lost my job soon thereafter but i uh i had to do something <laughs> i really wanted to uh be around people i got the uh, the travel bug my territory when i was working as a brand ambassador in the liquor industry was every place and anywhere i was down in new orleans every year for tales of the cocktail you know certainly my passion. I literally quit drinking cold turkey after work, kicking yeah. around liquor. You know, I love having a glass of wine at dinner and maybe a beer or two, but uh, that's the extent of it. I, you know, I was drinking incredibly much yeah. and wasting time with hangovers. I mean, you can't help it. If you're, if you have two or three cocktails, you're going to feel like hell the next morning. So I was uh, concerned about that. And I was concerned about my health, most importantly. So all of those reasons compiled together with the fact that I've been using cannabis since I was a young man and since I was a young boy. And uh, it seemed like it was osmosis for me. It was something that I was so passionate about. And I saw other people making money doing it and doing the tastemaker side of the business, which is kind of where my career is going. So February 27th, uh, set your calendars. I'll be appearing on Viceland Live. In uh, it's a new TV show that starts on February 25th, but February 27th at nine o'clock Eastern, I'll be appearing at Viceland Live. So that could potentially blow up my career or me <laughs> forever. I don't know. I'm really excited about it. It'll certainly get my my face out there in front of people, and they'll see my smile, and they know that I mean it. And I, you know, life hasn't been all so easy for me. I went bankrupt. I lost my house. My yeah. wife divorced me. You know, what else could go wrong? So I get a chance to be on TV. It'll be great. Oh, that's funny. Uh, I find that those events, yes, you don't know which way they're going to go, but it's going to be exciting one way or another. Well, I get You know, I have to make CBD cocktails because that's the law, but um, I'm going to make them a a cocktail which will ruin them for their bartenders. (laughs) And, And in that sense, I will fulfill the reason why I do this today is because I saw the drinks that were out on the market and that people were making, they were just entirely too sweet. They were completely out of balance. They had no craft ingredients. I work only with craft spirits when I do work with with, uh, with spirits. And I'm really interested in handmade, handcrafted. And that's, you know, that was the premise of my book, Cannabis Cocktails. It wasn't just going to the store and buying a bottle of Tito's. You know, I know Tito's, you know, has an open mind to, to the cannabis business, but I didn't use his stuff. I used, you know, small craft 
craft distilleries that were in Vermont or in Kentucky or, or wherever I happened to, to use it. And then I taught you in, in the book to infuse the cocktails with pure THC. So it's a <laughs> it's a very interesting thing. It's a, it's certainly a bad boy image, but I yeah. really am a guy. So, you know, I, I don't mean to, to give anyone any trouble. And, and I was trying to do a good job. But I love it. really, the reason why I wrote the book, you know, getting back to the entrepreneurial side, was purely from a medicinal basis. I wasn't looking to write a recreational book. My publisher is very conservative. They certainly weren't going to mess around with a book that could be labeled as something that was dangerous, even though that came on, you know, came later on. But uh, but really, it was more personal reasons. I d- had developed glaucoma. I live in, you know, of course, live in New Jersey. Yeah. Smoking a joint in the street will get you arrested. I wanted to be able to take my medicine and not be antagonistic at the same time. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about cocktails, and then let's talk about the whole introducing of uh, THC CPDs into them. So tell me about the craft of cocktails. So when you look at developing a cocktail, what are the factors for you that go into making a good cocktail? A clean glass. Start at step one. <laughs> well, that's really important because if you go to a bar and the bartender is sitting talking on his cell phone rather than polishing glasses, you should leave. Huh. Uh, the next thing that I think it's very important is in the bartending dichotomy is that the ice should be of a good quality, that it doesn't smell like garlic or, yeah. or like, uh, you know, something that's rotting in your in your refrigerator. You know, it's and that ice happens so often. <laughs> right. No, ice is very important. And if you're yeah. using fresh herbs, they should have mud on them you know that kind of thing is important i like using bitters i'm very interested in building cocktails through flavor and depth and character and quality explain i think just for the audience so we can get a little bit what are bitters how are they made why are they important Uh, cocktail bitters were originally invented for stomach disorders and they were found to work in craft cocktails because they had depth and balance to a drink, uh, rather than the, the drink being one-dimensional, they add multiple dimensions of flavor. I'm classically trained as a saucier, so I can explain to you how to make soup from scratch. You don't put everything in one pot and turn it up to boil and hope for the best. You add a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You build it together, and suddenly, voila, you have a wonderful craft cocktail. I like simplicity. I've worked in busy cocktail bars where you have 15 people that walk up in front of you and everyone wants something that's different. That's no fun. So I try to keep things you know, relatively simple for the person who is, uh, who's trying to learn the, the drinks. Got it. Uh, the, the other thing that goes into it, of course, you know, the craft spirits, the, uh, the mixers. I like, I only use fresh juices. I never use anything that's, you know, pasteurized, bottled, uh, canned. Everything is, is from scratch, and I teach you how to do it in the book. Yeah. When you look for craft spirits, anything that you're looking for in terms of either region or type of distillery or qualities in a, in a craft well, spirit? You, know, you would find that in my book that I pair the craft spirits with different strains or cultivars, if you will, of cannabis. So each flavored cannabis, each the the cannabis mm-hmm. uh, cultivars has its own terpenes, it has its own benefits of flavor, and they would be paired with the individual craft spirits that I believe that they pair best with. So mezcal, I would go with something you know, which is a very mysterious, dark. I love mezcal. Yeah. The you know, unctuous sip. I would pair it with a deep, dark indica that really made me want to just be on the couch yeah. and steam about the future and about my great success that hasn't that's evaded me to this point. But hopefully. 
someday someone notices me, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So that's sort of cocktails. Like when you start introducing either the CBD or THC into these cocktails, what are the considerations? Are these like two categories? There are THC cocktails and there are CBD cocktails, or are they are these a mix? Like how do you look at introducing, you know, the cannabis products into cocktails? Very carefully. First yeah. off, I uh, when I first wrote my book, I didn't know any better. So I was getting from whomever and wherever. Not safe. Now I only use the triple or sometimes even quadruple tested medical cannabis. Very important. And why is that? Like, I mean, what were you finding in the in terms of the product? Well, if, if it's uh, grown with chemical pesticides, that could be poisonous. Yeah. I mean, I know it's I know it's irresponsible now. I didn't know then. I made mistakes. I think everyone does. Mm-hmm. I especially made mistakes, but I'm willing to accept my mistakes and go forward. And I'm you know on the bandwagon now. <laughs> it certainly took me a long you know enough time. The other thing is CBD cocktails. I'm wondering why people want to do CBD cocktails first. First off, they're from hemp. They're not from the uh, THC cannabis plant. Mm-hmm. So I don't get it. We're not going to talk about that. I don't write about them for uh, for Forbes. I made a conscious effort not to do that. Everyone and their uncle wants me to review their CBD. And I just, it goes back to Geritol and what the FDA did to my grandfather. I don't want to be that guy. I really don't. So, uh, no. you know, I, I just want to do it. So THC, I needed a, a way of introducing THC into a a, a drinkable format that didn't antagonize anyone. Backstory is, you know, I don't want to get arrested. Yeah, yeah. Avoid prosecution. Yep, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And what is the format? Using an oil or uh, what's, how are no, you actually? There are no oils. Uh, oils would be a, that would be a viscous, yeah, soppy, exactly. yeah. out, out of balance thing. I use uh, technology, but in the book, uh, you know, current, the current state, I use technology. Past state, I used uh, the way I learned how to cook. And that was through double boilers and toasting the, the cannabis in the oven to decarb it, to, you know, actualize the THCA from THC, you know, THC from THCA mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, you know, format you want to use. I'm not a scientist, so, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think in those matters, but I, I created 75 brand new ways of, of infusing THC into craft spirits that no one had ever done before in my own individualistic cocktail whisperer style. I want to ruin you for your bartender. I want to make you think about the ice that you're using. I want to make you think about the glassware. I want to teach people how to make beautiful drinks that just happen to have THC in them. That's yeah, it. Yeah. So the way you introduce the THC is you actually put it into the spirit and then use the spirit as, as part of the mix. Exactly. So exactly. you pre-make the THC infused. You're not introducing the THC at the mix stage. No, no. It's, it's yeah. infused either in the simple syrup or in the... I do Vietnamese iced coffee with THC infused condensed milk. You know, I also so get that freshly crushed sugar cane juice, which is so salubrious. I mean, it's incredible stuff. And I mix just about, you know, two or three tablespoons of, uh, of condensed, you know, THC infused condensed milk to it or cardamom bitters or chocolate bitters or whatever it is, you know, I think in flavor. So I want to make things that are tasty and that are not off-putting, that have great aromas and they have wonderful feelings too. And in the post-infusion, how much of the kind of flavor character of of cannabis is coming through. Are you taking all that out through the infusion great, process? No, great, great, great question. Um, I use the magical butter machine. I also use the uh, Levo, which is an infuser. Uh-huh. I use the Ardent, which is the 
Kevlar machine. It kind of looks like a, a thermos. It, all of these things preserve the terpenes, the essential oils, the uh, you know what we call in cooking the fats and the stuff and, and all the yeah. you know all the stuffing. It, it preserves the smell. It preserves the flavor. I'm very flavor conscious. If you wanted to take away flavor, use a vape pen. You know, because yeah. the, yeah. they're adding in terpenes and nothing is natural and you know t- yada, yeah, yada, yada. stripping it all down and then trying to. I'm, I'm really really. It. I'm really interested in craft spirits. I'm interested in handmade. I'm interested in flavor and quality and luxury. And my things are, are very approachable. I mean, I'm not saying that you can't use you know, something inexpensive, but it's going to taste, therefore, better if you use high quality. And I, and I recommend it. Yeah. You're working it. And so tell me about, I mean, the, the, you know, the strains and the terpenes profiles and everything are all the rage these days. How do you approach this the kind of uh, the taxonomy or the organizing of all the different kind of product that is out there these days? Like, what's your guide or how would you suggest people approach this? There's two things that I'm going to explain. The first thing was an article that I was planning on writing for Forbes, and it was I had my cannabis DNA tested. And I realized that the concept of chasing THC is flawed because myself and many, many others evidently require low THC, high CBD strains for good health. So the whole idea of wanting to go higher and higher and higher and higher with THC yeah. is actually working the opposite of what our bodies require. Just, you know, just, just saying that. The uh, bud tenders, the topic of my article, which I never wrote, was your bud tender is lying to you. <laughs> because they are. How the heck do they know what your body requires? They can only tell you what they're being marketed to. So with that said, there are hundreds and hundreds of cultivars and strains and, and there's land races and there's hybrids and there's sativas and there's indicas. There's all sorts of stuff out there. What I'm interested in is flavor, but I'm very, very interested in effect. And my book is broken down into what I would call afflictions. I can't, I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on <laughs> I like it. television. I'll tell you that each of my chapters are things like afternoon liveners, potable pick me ups with gut healing shrubs, and mood enhancing syrups. You know, I'm having tongue in cheek. It's kind of like the early apothecary, like my first book, Apothecary Cocktails, was. The only ingredient missing out of apothecary cocktails, which America was not ready for. For in yeah. 2013 yeah. was cannabis. The reason why I know this is because I went to New Orleans. I go every year for tales. I go to the pharmacy museum. They featured my books there. They love my books there. And they and the early apothecary used cannabis and goes back into the 1800s in New Orleans and at the the pharmacy museum, which is the first apothecary in in the area. And they made Sazeracs. And they made all those you know gut healing drinks. But really, the ingredient that did the most was cannabis. And I don't we, think people realize that that kind of I mean cannabis was a staple in staple. most pharmacy you know kind of uh, shelves you know, beginning of the century. Of course. And that's what's so fun about it, because you have people who are out there today doing really great things with healing and doing really great things with alleviating the ills of society with cannabis. And I love it. But the groundwork was done over 100 years ago. Yeah. And it was really done in China over 5,000 years ago. But, you know, I, I can't point to that as easily as I can say. I visited the museum in, uh, you know, in New Orleans, and I saw the presentation and, and the actual vials that say cannabis cannabis and I know what date they were made and I know who worked with this stuff and I know that people came to alleviate their ills 
by drinking cocktails, which were invented in New Orleans. So, you know, I mean, history is on my side. And I can actually do for once in my life something that I can point to and say, this is what they were doing, and this is what I'm doing. And I'm taking those classics and I'm revitalizing and making it something that's truly exciting and easy to do. And fortunately, when you buy the book, it really comes with me. And I'm very open to, to being reached out to. And if you have problems, to walk through them. And if I don't have time right now, I will get to it. And I'll get back to that person and say, you know, how can I make your life easier? And yeah. that's that's the difference. So where do people start? So if you know, someone enjoys cocktails, is into cannabis, or is kind of early into cannabis, or looking at putting it together, what do you start them with? Or where do you suggest they begin their experience of uh, THC-infused cocktails? I would tell them to start with Thai food. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Because everything for me goes back to food. And if you ever have eaten uh -huh. Thai food, you know that you wouldn't get Thai spicy the first time out. You would get it very, very, very mild. And then you would add spice as you go. And I use that dichotomy to explain that cannabis cocktails are the same thing. You wouldn't necessarily put in an, an entire ounce of medical grade cannabis in one 750 ml bottle of uh, craft spirits. You might only put an eighth of an ounce or maybe one gram, but yeah. you'd add to it as you realize the way that it made you feel so you weren't overwhelmed. Because when I created the 75 cocktails, I only had one month to write my book. So I was overdosing myself on a regular basis. <laughs> My wife, who does not use cannabis in any format or any way, in fact, really stands to reason I'm surprised that I still use it because, because she's so anti-cannabis. So she would see me on the couch in various stages of overdose. <laughs> Which wasn't overdose in, in the you know in yeah, the drug yeah. act, but but I just you know I was figuring out how much or how little, yeah. and uh, and I figured out that if you take lemon juice and peppercorns, peppercorns Neil Young always said if you get too high you would take uh, chew up some peppercorns. So I remembered that being an old man, you know. Well, I never heard this. What is so? What is this about? So you literally take you literally chew peppercorns. Yeah, you, you literally chew peppercorns. The terpenes in pepper are very commonly occurring in cannabis and it counteracts the negative effects of a cannabis edibles overdose. Also, lemon juice, the limone, uh, I think that's limonene, I, I forgot what it is, yeah. whatever. But it's uh, th that's not another very commonly found terpene in cannabis, and it counteracts those terpenes, those negative effects. It's, you know, it's, again, science, but uh, it does work. And uh, so I was down in uh, Walt Disney World. I had to do a uh, presentation at the Wine and Food Festival, and I took... Uh, Probably a an edible that I had no idea what yeah. it was, what it was going to do to me, and I learned that the lemon juice really works, and almost immediately, pretty fantastic. Yeah. I've learned I've learned something very new here. Presentation in front of like three hundred people, and I was I was going to say that all those those guys with the little wire in their ear were looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. So um, tell us about the market, like how you have kind of found sort of community and groups in the cannabis space. Because I think that one thing that's really interesting um, when I speak with guests, um, you know, it's just how they've found their cannabis kind of community. What organizations have you found helpful? What uh, events, what conferences, where have you found support and, you know, insights? I actually found support and insights from within because I've really had a lot of pushback and I never thought that I would be able to be 
in the place that I am right now because of all the, the negativity that I've received. With that said, I've also received a lot of positiveness. Uh, the individuals at Normal, uh, the, on the national level, uh, have featured my book. They've given it away in, you know, in fundraisers, money raiser things. Uh-huh. I'm truly honored that they've even taken notice of me. I get press passes to all the major cannabis events. I think the camaraderie is unique. I have a unique product, my you know book. No one else has written anything like it. And if they have, it's not on this level. And I'm not trying to compare myself with anyone. Yeah. But, the, but the idea of what I do is, is so unique that uh, it creates a conversation wherever it goes. And getting back to the travel thing, I, I love going to events all over the country because I get to sit next to someone on an airplane. And it, it, the elevator speech is not 30 seconds. It, it's more <laughs> like three hours. And it, 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 Either they're intrigued or not, and I'm willing to shut up and, and not talk about it. But you know, if they're interested, they certainly couldn't have a better person to sit next to. That's amazing. And any activity on the international front? I, I know that a lot of folks are now looking internationally at in this cannabis space. I would love to go to Spain. I think that the Spanish people really get it, and I would love to go down to Uruguay. I know that it's completely legal there. I just don't have the time. You know, I'm an old yeah. man. I look at I look at things in different time periods. You know, I, I'm wondering what events are coming up. And meanwhile, you know, writing on the online space for Forbes really creates a, a lifestyle for me because I'm able to introduce myself as a high-end cannabis writer for a traditional business publication that you know, may not have ever even considered that. Remember, because I grew up on a farm in New Jersey, my family's farm, and, you know, Malcolm Forbes would launch his balloon sometimes out in far hills, but, you know, the wind would blow, you know, west to east, and a couple times he landed in our fields. And I remember that, you know, these are people that didn't use cannabis, they used champagne. So it was just a different time, and I'm so honored to be able to say that I write for a, a magazine that probably contributed more to the stigma than they would know yeah, it, yeah. have the opportunity to take away from that stigma by being open-minded now. I also did a, uh, an interview recently with uh, the granddaughter of Emily Post oh, yeah. about, uh, about manners and cannabis, yeah. and that's coming out in March, and I can't wait for people to read that because it's like, you know, you have to know what the etiquette is around cannabis. What a great premise for a book. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I haven't even thought about that. Yep. yep. Excellent. So you've got a TV show coming out. What else is on the docket? What else are you looking forward to? Bruce, it's actually a live TV show. So I'm going to be mixing live live cocktails. And be, as I said, because of the legality involved, they have to be CBD yeah. cocktails. So it's a very interesting thing because it kind of touches base on that snake oil principle. I'm not quite sure what they do, but they're, but they're going to taste delicious. Yeah. I mean, and I'm using a, a product called Papa and Barkley and another one called New Highs and just really nice stuff in fruitations and craft spirits, and just having a good time and trying to expand people's mind. I'm visiting a vertically integrated cannabis facility in Scottsdale or I, maybe it's down near Tucson mm-hmm. uh, in two weeks. I have some California trips planned. I hope to be going back out to Oregon in the coming months. I'm busy. Yeah, I'm busy. sounds like it. I'm busy. And you know, when you, when you say, what's an entrepreneur? Uh, an entrepreneur is someone who takes all the risk and then lives all the rewards. Yeah. No, and that's, that's the fun part of it. It's the fun part of this industry. There is so much dynamism and complexity and change. And you know, there's a lot of opportunity. A lot of risk, but there's still a lot of opportunity. So it's a fun, fun place to be. Warren, I think we're going to hit time here. This has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more information about you, about the books, about the work 
that you're doing, about the show. What's the best way to get a hold of you and find out more information? Okay. Amazon is where my books are, Barnes & Noble or indie bookstores all over the world. I mean, even Australia and Canada and France, my books are translated. Apothecary awesome. Cocktails translated into French. Beautiful thing. I'm on Instagram with my name, Warren Bobro. I'm on Twitter with my name and a number one because someone stole my name. Go figure. <laughs> I'm on Facebook, of course, LinkedIn. What else is there? Pinterest. I hardly use that thing anymore. Yeah. It's uh, I'm out there. I'm easily seen. I'll be on Viceland February 27th at 9 p.m. What else do you want to know about me? Uh, I think that is great. I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes so people can get more information. Uh, Warren, this has been fun. I'm looking forward to it. We'll find a time to get together and uh, you can you can teach me uh, some of the finer points of uh, cannabis cocktails. Actually, we should meet at Casa del Taco in Cliffside Park for brilliant tacos, carnitas. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. It's consider the date. <laughs> there you go. I look forward to it. Cheers, Bruce. Thanks, Ward. Take good care. Bye. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.